What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. It is a new season, a new dawn for the Toffees, and we are coming to you today with a packed episode ahead of the first match of the season. To kick things off, we talked with Tony Sampson of Everton Chicago and the EFC Fans Forum about what the signings of Hemis Rodriguez means for the club as far as marketing perspective, what efforts he is undergoing with the club to expand the international fan base network and community and, you know, some personal stuff as well. Well, next segment, Ryan and I will do a toffee centric preview of the Spurs match. And then to wrap things up, we will be speaking with the guys from Tottenham Podspur to get their perspective on what's going to go down on Sunday. We will have all of the timestamps in the description. So if you want to skip around, feel free. Just check that. And away we go. podcast your source for stateside views on everton football club hosted by alex johnson and james boyman we have tony sampson from everton chicago and the fans forum joining us today tony thank you so much for being here thank you for having me it's a it's a great week to be on the pod I think it's a great week to, week to be an Evertonian. Am I right? <laughs> that's a that's a little bit of an understatement. There. I, I, <laughs> I can't I can't remember being this excited for a long time about Everton. So we're excited because we have officially announced three top signings for the summer. We announced Alan James Rodriguez and Decore, which I know all Everton fans are probably pretty excited about. So, gentlemen, and, and Tony, because. Uh, you're our most recent guest. Let's call it. Th- let's call you that. Our most recent guest. Would you please start us off? How do you feel about the transfer window thus far? Might I add, just just a bit of a detail. We have slightly less than one month left, and the Premier League starts in about five days. Well, I think I think uh, I remember Alan Myers saying a few weeks ago when when the place was all doom and gloom that we should judge how successful our uh, our, our transfer window is at the at the end of it uh, in October. Uh, I, and I don't know. I'm mean, look. I, I I'm. I struggled not to get carried away with where we are at the moment. Um, I mean, I actually believe I'm really looking forward to actually seeing Alan getting stuck in. I mean, he's the one in terms of sort of on the pitch is, is really exciting me in terms of what he can bring and what we've been missing as a team. I'm sure we'll talk about sort of the broader sort of, you know, implications of having, you know, a global superstar like Hammers on the pitch and as part of the, you know, part of the club uh, a little bit later. But, that for me is a, is a sign and that I'm, I'm really excited because I say I think we've been missing a little bit of leadership well a lot of leadership and some grit in our team uh, for you know for for a long time but the thing that's sort of I know it's just hard to believe that only a few weeks ago I think that if you spoke to an Evertonian you know it was the you know, the end was nigh wasn't it you know there was there was nothing to sort of look look forward to and you know we'd got this world-class manager and you know we had no midfield and the finances are very difficult and we're in the middle of a global pandemic and we're not signing people quickly enough. Uh, and then here we are, you know, on the, the 8th of September and we've announced three major signings in three days with some really, really exciting players and also some really exciting plans off the field. And and who knows, there's there's room for more, isn't there? Most definitely. And it was interesting because we, we obviously recorded uh, a week ago today, actually, and we were essentially saying, you know, these signings are in the bag, they're done and dusted, but 
then there was just that that wait while the club you know worked behind the scenes to to dot all their i's and cross all their t's and it is so exciting to have them just go bang 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 done 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 before the season even starts, which is a bit uh, different from the business we've seen Everton do under Brands previously, where he has tended to leave business a little bit late, usually after the season's already started. So it's just so refreshing to have three desperately needed signings in areas that we so badly need. Before the season starts, they've got time to settle into the team, get to know their teammates, and and really you know start the season off on the right foot, which is just so encouraging as, as an Everton fan. Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and by all by all accounts as well. You know, obviously they've been on Merseyside for a week as we've been tracking them all. And classic Evertonians, we've been tracking planes, we've been tracking people eating in restaurants, we've been tracking, you know, people going to the <laughs> shop and what have you. But you know, they've obviously already been at the club, sort of. It seems like sort of training as well. So I don't quite know how they work that round contractually, but um, but yeah, it is. It's great to get people in early doors, and as you say, before before the game, and I, I'm sure most Evertonians, I can't wait to see. Uh, see how it's all going to play out on Sunday at first Spurs. So let's switch gears a little bit, gentlemen. This is going to be this is going to be a little bit more serious, but let's talk international expansion. You saying I'm not Tony full, or... Alex? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all, but... Uh... Very good. Just get... <laughs> I just want to be clear with that. I don't like to be attacked, Tony. <laughs> um, we're live, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. So... So international expansion, right? This is something we complain about on this podcast um, and to you, Tony, off air plenty. Um, so you're used to hearing it. We, you know, we're, we're upset at the fact that maybe Everton hasn't done the best um, at international expansion, uh, the marketing efforts, right? Obviously being American Evertonians. Now we have, in your words, Tony, not mine, a global superstar in James Rodriguez. Um, and, and we see all of a sudden all over Twitter, for example, we see that Everton had this big marketing push um, essentially across the world. We saw lit up signs in Liverpool, Miami, New York City, Times Square, um, Bogota. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what you've heard and what you understand about the uh, the club's international expansion efforts, um, specifically for James Rodriguez now that he's signed with Everton? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think we've talked before, the club's been working on uh, its international expansion strategy now for, you know, I, I think for, you know, a number, a number of months. I know, for example, that you know, some of the team were out in certainly America at the beginning of this year before before COVID and the pandemic struck, looking at what those opportunities. And we've seen, you know, some of the activities that Donio, the, the affiliate partnership programs they've done with a number of clubs. Obviously, they've been investing time in working with the supporters club network out here. You've seen some of the online uh, sort of friendlies that they started to do with Richarlison. And I think the other thing that I think is common knowledge now is that, the club was intending on being in the US this summer and um, to do a couple of friendlies, which you know is something that we've all been calling calling for for, for for a long, long time. So I think there's been signs of things happening. And you know, I think I think there's a number of key ingredients that are really, really important to 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 sort of any global expansion, particularly in football. One obviously is what we do on the pitch. Um and let's be honest, you know, that's one of the the most significant sort of influencing factors in sort of being able to sort of expand beyond you know, your immediate base, you know, you have to look at, you know, some of the clubs that have already done that, the United, the Chelsea, even the cities more recently. So obviously we haven't had the luxury of that in recent years. Uh, with the arrival of Carlo, you know, we're all hopeful that that's going to change. And obviously with the signings that we just made, then, you know, hopefully now we've got the platform to start doing that on the pitch. And then I think the other, you know, the second other thing is, is, you know, have you got a name in the team at the club um, that is going to be able to attract and allow you to maybe, invest in a very very different way and you know and as you said Alex you know having someone like Hammers who 
Uh, I think I think the latest numbers he's got over a hundred million followers on you know social media platforms. James, I saw some of the tweets you've been putting out around. I think he's what is he the, the eighth biggest global global media sports star. Uh, you know, only behind yeah, something Ronaldo, like that. Or LeBron or something like that. So you know that obviously sort of what it means is that the plans that the club were you know were already working on, and even with us uh, out with the fans forum and the supporters network in the US and different parts of the globe. It just allows them to accelerate that. And, you know, what we've seen in the last number of days, I think, um, well, it's been a game changer. Um, and I think uh, who could have imagined that um, we'd be <clears throat> tweeting each other, looking at billboards of an Everton signing uh, in Times Square. Uh, I was on the I was on the text and on the phone to Jordan Sanchez of the, of the Vice City Blues in Miami last night. And as we were talking, he, he sort of texted me and said that, sorry, as we were texting, he said, oh, just so you know, I've just had a message to say to look out on Miami Beach because there's going to be a massive billboard on a boat of our new signing. So, you know, they're the, they're the, the, the things that I think have just been completely, you know, almost impossible for us to imagine. And, and I think also, to be fair, um, you know, obviously we've been waiting for some of these signings to to happen and wondering where they were, if they were going to happen and when. And you know, we've been refreshing Twitter, I think, or you know, on second by second basis. But clearly, what the club have been doing is is they've been preparing the groundwork here to make sure that you know they could capitalise on on this massive opportunity. And um, I don't think I've spoken to anybody that doesn't think that the club has done an absolutely supreme supreme job. So. Uh, obviously, they've made an initial splash in, you know, with some of the media that you know that they've um, that they've started to do. But um, I know as well that it's got, you know, some other plans that are quite exciting. So, um, you know, for example, um, it, it is going to be opening um, a US-based office uh, here in the US, uh, primarily focused on ensuring that that's sort of you know going to provide sales and marketing support to. Uh, you know, act, almost act as a gateway to the sort of the, the Latin American and South American uh, opportunities that that particularly the Hammers signing signing brings, uh, but also to continue with sort of its growth strategy within North America as well. So you know, again, really important there. And I think the fact that it's going to have a, you know a physical presence eventually, um, you know, here I think again is another sort of really strong signal that you know it's 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 going to going to invest and hopefully you know we can. Maybe we'll get to stop some of the whining that we've been doing over the last uh, over the last number of years in, term, you know, in terms of doing it. And look, we've talked, you know, ad infinitum, haven't we, about you know the missed opportunities maybe that the clubs had, and I don't know, a little bit of a, a little bit. I don't like a Ryan Williams row on Twitter last night um, <laughs> with um, with somebody who was sort of complaining, oh, we should have done this six years ago, and we should have done it five years ago, and what have you. And it's like, yeah, you know, maybe we should. Um, but, you know, the conditions now, I think, are very, very different. So, you know, we've got to look forward to, uh, you know, to, to really realising that opportunity. And I think the challenge for the club and the challenge for, you know, even the supporters groups now is, you know, obviously we're, we're still going through the immediate excitement, but, you know, is how do we keep this, uh, you know, momentum as, uh, you know, as we're going forward? And I can certainly tell you that within the supporters club community that I'm speaking to, all the time, uh, and and certainly over the last number of days, you know that 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 appetite is is really there. So, um, you know, there's going to be a physical presence there, and I think that's that's really really going to help. The other thing as well is is that you know the club is working hard to enhance sort of the distribution. You know, working with its partner Fanatics to make sure that it can enhance that. You know, within uh, you know within the South American North American market as well, which I think is 
another positive step. We, you and I have, we've all talked about um, how retail and merchandise and availability has been a, has been an issue uh, <clears throat> in the international markets for you know for for a long long time. It was it was raised in the fan forum survey. Um, so you know the club's working hard to sort of try and un- un- unblock that, and I think also learn from some other some <clears throat> other clubs that have have tried to do other s- similar things in you know in previous years. So you know the likes of Bayern and Real have sort of you know made similar moves. So you know we're looking to you know to to, to capitalise on that as well. So lots of lots of activity, um, lots of plans. Uh, as I say, I think you know the the impression that the club. Has made in these last few days um, really does raise the bar. So, um, lots for us to lots for us to be hopeful for. Tony, in line with that, obviously you're talking to Jordan at Vice City. He's great. We were actually chatting last night too about all sorts of topics, including my inability to speak Spanish on a podcast. Unfortunately, lo siento. Um, no, but what no about some of the nada. other groups down no there? Yeah, nada. yeah, yeah. Nada, nada. No, no, cerca, nada. Uh, yeah, so one of the things we we're talking about is there's obviously a pretty big Colombian population in the U.S., or at least people that identify themselves as Colombian. I mean, estimates are up of, you know, one and a half million people. A lot of the concentrations in Florida, like almost a million. There's a big pocket in New York City, too. Um, obviously, you've had dialogues with these guys uh, in the past. There's going to be some new Hamez supporters out there, some people that are going to be attracted to Everton. You know, how do we get those people together and, and how do how do how do you make sure to kind of give the message to them that Everton as a club is doing stuff to accommodate some of these things and um, just maybe talk about your dialogue a little bit with some of the clubs and how they can reach into you to get plugged into the U S scene. Yeah. Well, I think this has been the benefit of us building on this over a long time. And obviously, you know, um, I'll leave, I'll leave, you know, I'll leave all the, potential signings and who we're going to buy, whatever, to, to be in, in the know. So I don't think anybody's going to predict we'd be in this position with Hammers and others. But, you know, we as a as an international community and a US sort of supporters club community, we've been connecting now sort of informally and formally for a number of months. So, you know, as you know, uh, Ryan, there's a, there's a massive network here. What I've been doing is... Um, is bringing that community and connecting that community together. So we've done that in a number of ways that we've talked about on here before. You know, first of all, just bringing the, the supporters group um, heads together um, to sort of share and start, you know, dropping in information, sharing ideas on how we can build engagement, uh, you know, what's the best way in which we can share, you know, sort of issues or concerns, as well as obviously have a moan about Everton because we're all Evertonians. Um, so we've been doing that sort of formally. And what that, that's done now is sort of start to help build a connection between, you know, the different clubs. And in fact, you know, we've even formed sort of a little working group that is trying to advance, you know, a number of sort of practical ideas whereby, you know, we can do exactly what you've just said. And is, you know, how do we, first of all, build our existing base um, and how we can we connect out there, get the word out there. Is there anything else more that can be done with some of the local groups? But then to to your point, then how can we learn from maybe some of the other groups so that we can now attract the Evertonians of the future, including obviously, you know, that that group that's going to be, you know, really attracted to, to the fact that we've now got hammers on board. So there's a number of ways, um, you know, first of all, um, people should feel free to contact us at the fans forum. Um, you know, where we've got a place on the main Everton website. You can contact us on our 
uh, Twitter handle, which is um, EFC Fans Forum. You can contact us via our Facebook site, all the usual methods, and the same with me on, on Everton Chicago. Uh, there's other routes as well. So, you know, you guys have got your Discord, uh, you know, where you've got, where you're helping to sort of connect Evertonians as well. Um, so I think, you know, what we've got to do now is we've got to bring and pool all these different um, routes and channels and then try and make sure that, you know, we're then using that to to get out there to, you know, the, the potential Evertonians of, of the future. So uh, a number of different ways. Yeah, Tony, in the same vein, talking about growing the fan base and, and doing all of this mass outreach and advertising and, and trying to engage with these people who many of which may have may be familiar with Everton, may have never even heard of Everton at all. And all of a sudden they're kind of becoming aware of, of the club. And, and I think as an international supporter, what attracts you to Everton obviously isn't the, the, the recent glory or anything like that. There's a very, there's a very specific like identity and, and values around the club that are so important to the supporters how do you communicate that the, those values and, and appreciate the what Everton is at its core while you're bringing them on and, and trying to convert them to becoming effectively a lifelong fan? Well, I think uh, look, I think you've seen some of this on social media recently as well, where you know where um, you know people sort of you know will post on there. What are the you know why, why should I support Everton and what you know what are the ways to you know to get involved in that. And I think, you know, the way Evertonians sort of rally around that and provide a number of different reasons, whether it's the values of the club, whether it's our history, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, our potential, sometimes it isn't always sort of what we want. But again, as you say, you know, I don't think you can accuse us of being sort of fair weather fans, Alex, um, you know, uh, James, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we, we sort of live through sort of the hard times and the good times, but it's that, again, it's that sort of strength of community and what we stand for. So, Again, one of the things that we've been sort of trying to do and work with some of the clubs is, is you know, what are those reasons and, and how do we understand what it means to be an Evertonian so that we can then share that with, um, you know, with the, the new supporters that might join a particular chapter or, you know, might want to want to hear more about that and making sure that, you know, we've got um, sort of that that one consistent message around um, what it means to be an Evertonian. Yeah, I don't think anyone in America would just randomly pick Everton because of an, all its glory recently. Uh, I try and explain yeah. that to people like, you don't understand there's something about this club that you just fall in love with. And we all have our individual stories as well. And hopefully some of these new individuals can too. Um, it's one thing to follow it kind of superficially, but I, I don't think there's any fear of that. But Tony, you've talked a lot in the past about what makes the club the club different. So I definitely appreciate that answer. I know you've been trying to come up with a lot of things on the history and how to convey to people truly what, what it's like, you know, cause not everyone kind of grew up going to every match since they were, they were a little kid, but um, I guess to your point, it kind of just comes out though a little bit too. I mean, I can't deny that. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, but uh, we had a bit of a, an exchange, I think the other day on, you know, on, on your discord and, you know, maybe some, you know, some people sort of feel a little bit challenged because, you know, they might not have come from the city or, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, does it mean they can't be an Evertonian? And, you know, I, you know, I feel very strongly about this, guys. You know, it, if you're an Evertonian, you're an Evertonian, um, you know, and that means, you know, for some of us, you know, we're, we're born in the city and we, we've, you know, we've had that opportunity. But, um, you know, I have seen that the, the levels of passion and commitment um, and belief and loyalty that I've seen from, you know, from Evertonians, whether they're American, whether they're well, hopefully 
increasingly Colombian or in other parts of the world is completely unswerving. And, you know, I think now we are in a moment where we've got a real opportunity to really strengthen that community and that bond between uh, not just those that live in the city, but actually those that have chosen or have been chosen to follow Everton around the world. So I think it's, you know, it's within all of us and, and on all of us, to be honest with you now, to sort of try and provide the right opportunities and platforms and ways in which we can, you know, really seize on, you know, the excitement that, you know, we find ourselves in. And one last thing on that, Tony. I mean, I, I do think that that Everton is is very uniquely positioned. You know, you talk about the clubs like Manchester United, like Manchester City, who do have these massive international fan bases. But I do think Everton has the opportunity to build something like a true global community in a way that I think a lot of these other clubs, you know, they may view their their international fans more as as customers or it may be a little bit more impersonal, but knowing the core of the club and how community oriented it is, I do think that Everton have like the opportunity to build something that that's totally special and unique compared to the rest of the the Premier League international fan base. Yeah, I think that's I think I think that's potentially true. Um, and I think that Ryan said, you know, we've all got our own sort of different story. But you know, again, I was just on the on the phone with a number of different groups there. You know, one of the reasons that you know they've sort of really fallen in and, and, and sort of fallen in love with the club has been the way in which, uh, you know, they've been embraced by, you know, Scousers, um, you know, when they've engaged online and the way in which, uh, you know, they, they again, they felt a, a sort of certain level of pride about the fact that, you know, there's people thousands of miles away that are prepared to follow their club and be part of that community, you know, and that's sort of really drawn them into, you know, what it means to be an Evertonian and has sort of gripped them for life now. So, um, you know, that's 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 all the stuff that we need to continue to sort of tap into. And again, look, I think that, um, you know, with the work that you guys are doing, it's in sort of, you know, sharing and building the voice out there with the work that we're doing within the supporters groups. Uh, and obviously now what the club is doing in terms of its strategy, as I say, you know, I think it's it's up to all of us now just to, you know, to keep pulling in the right direction and make sure that we can, um, you know, keep doing what we can to make sure that, that Everton does become the global force on the pitch obviously that's what we all really want but um equally off the pitch and couldn't have said it better myself tony and we also appreciate you um so so real quick tony we understand that you've been to a couple important meetings and obviously we love the inside scoop so would you tell us a little bit about the uh, finch farm international meeting and kind of what's going what's in store for the rest of 21 or 2020 excuse me in 2021 yeah, it wasn't uh, Finch Farm, but we had the the fans forum. Uh, we had. Uh, oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I read. Excuse me, people. I I I read FF and it, it's fans forum and not Finch Farm. You can understand my mistake. Thank you. <laughs> it's you know how it goes. To we all, everyone's we all know how anyway. it goes. Right. We we new signings. Where Thank are you. they? FF. Thank you, Tony. My mistake. I oh, know. Well, listen, I'd love to get back to Finch Farm. I really would, but uh, I don't think there's any chance of uh, of that happening uh, for a long time yet. But um, yeah, no. Look, we um. You know, we talked before, haven't we, about the the the, the survey that we did and the, the findings there. So the, the meeting that we had recently with the club was the international working group, and it was a follow on to the survey recommendations that we shared with them. Um, you know, a, a couple of months ago, and some of the areas that you know that that they'd reflected on, and also for them to sort of share with us, you know, what, what are the things that they're starting to think about or have been sort of work, working on. Uh, for the 2021 season, so it was a little bit of sort of that on, ongoing dialogue. Um, I mean, look, the, 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 a few things to sort of share with you here is, I mean, first of all, they want to continue to grow 
um, sort of the official affiliation affiliation process uh, in the US. And maybe this could be a little bit of a challenge for you guys. Is there is still a number of states where there isn't, you know, there isn't a supporters group. Uh, I think there's 13 that are still um, that, that that still haven't signed up yet. So maybe this is something you can challenge some of your listeners to. So we can provide the list maybe offline and you can start to promote that. But I know that the club now is, is definitely look, looking to sort of try and build that presence in every state. And again, look, you know, we've got a network here, so maybe we can, you know, we can, we can help them um, do that as we, as we move forward. Uh, they've definitely listened to what we said. So first of all, you know, the club themselves has been directly contacting um, the supporters groups to get their feet, their, their, their insight as well as what we've provided in the, in, in the survey. They're going to be doing things like um, refining and simplifying the process for some of the support for the supporters clubs to to sort of secure that affiliation, making it as easy as possible. Uh, they're going to be improving some of the communication so that um, you know if you're a supporters club in Maine or if you're a supporters club in Atlanta or a supporters club uh, in New York, some of the key communications from the club doesn't just go to sort of that group lead and then you're reliant on one. They're going to they're looking at ways to sort of make sure that every member of that club is going to get that information and be up to date and have a, an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to feed back into that. Uh, the club was uh, did some really sort of, you know, interactive stuff towards the end of last season by sort of, you know, Zoom meetings with some of the clubs. You might have seen them doing some of that even this week with some of the UK-based ones. They're going to continue to do that as, as well. Uh, so again, making sure that they've got the opportunities to engage with uh, with some of those clubs, and then um, they're also going to sort of try and lift a little bit about sort of the spotlight on some of these clubs. So you know, so that we all get to learn a little bit more about them, who they are, you know, how we can get hold of them, and 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 find ways to to, to communicate with those. So lots being done there. Also, there I know that they're keen to build um, a little bit more sort of uh, of a resource centre as well for for some of the supporters clubs. So. Certainly for some of those newer ones, you know, how can they, uh, you know, get their club going? How can they sort of put on events and stuff? So, again, the club's going to be, you know, going to be working on that, see how it can provide the support there. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, some of it was already planned some of it's been used, some of it's been informed by what we uh, had shared with them. But, um, but, but yeah, all, all good stuff, I think, all, all, all helping to, to build on the work that's been done. Yeah, it's outstanding to see the, the club taking those those steps to, you know, remove barriers to entry for a lot of these supporters groups. I know that some of the feedback was that it was, you know, a bit cumbersome and, and difficult to actually go through the process of forming a supporters club. So hope to see people take initiative. And, and if you have any questions for Tony about the steps to form a fan group, obviously you can reach him. Uh, we have a fans forum dedicated uh, channel on our discord at invite.gg slash ATP. You can also find him of course at uh Everton Chicago on Twitter. And you can always, of course, also reach out to the fans forum Twitter account. Uh, and you guys have an email as well, right, Tony? Yeah, we do. Um, so that's members at Everton fans forum, uh, or international at Everton fans forum.com. So yeah, feel free to, to, to reach out. It's been a, it's been a pretty live, lively communi- communication channel in the last few days, <laughs> as you might imagine, but, but that's all good. I think, you know, the more, the more that we can, um, we can engage with people and get them involved and, learning about Everton and being part of the Everton family, the better. Fantastic. And, and one last thing before we let you go, Tony. So we understand that you recently had a meeting with representatives from Hummel. I assume that's regarding merchandise distribution and, and things of that nature. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So 
retail and merchandise is a is a regular feature. I think you and I we've been talking about this ever since we first started talking. Uh, and there's a specific group within the fans forum that focuses on retail issues. So um, this was part of a series of sort of introductory meetings that we've we've been doing, obviously with Hummel as one of the club's new partners. You know, it was really important to to sort of understand a little bit more about what they what they what they're doing from an international perspective, but also you know, share some of the feedback that we've had um, from some of the supporters clubs and, and others around sort of what some of the issues are. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I mean, I don't know if you, you guys had seen, but even in some of the kit reveal videos, you know, they, you know, they've already started to, to sort of, you know, make a nod to the international supporters groups and those. So I think that's another strong signal that, you know, they are thinking that, thinking there. So we met with a guy called uh, Philip Trulson, who is the uh, chief brand officer. Uh, for Hummel, who actually has um, got a really interesting background and he's worked sort of in the US uh, on a number of other different brands and for a number of other different countries for, for a while as well. So he knows and understands um, the conditions and the dynamics around international markets and also specifically the US. So I think that was a, a really, really good, good, good plus points. But, but, you know, what we were able to do uh, in that meeting was, first of all, just explain to him and help him understand you know, what the network of supporters clubs looks like, what it exists, what sort of, you know, insights can we offer? Obviously, we're going to be able to share um, the outputs of the survey and some of the data we got from that with him. He was very keen to understand, you know, what that might mean and, and you know, and how they can use that and add that to their own insights uh, data. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that we talked to them about was, you know, around that visibility and in-store and online. So a number of supporter groups, groups continue to raise that with us. Uh, actually, you know, in Ireland, um, in Brazil, I had a conversation with Luan Reggio from the Brazil group recently. You know, it's an issue for them, obviously, again, with Alan signing, you know, that's a, that's a very live issue. Um, but also to understand, you know, what might be some of the sort of distribution um, sort of models there. So, that, again, that was that was a, a helpful conversation for us to be able to be able to have and also test, you know, how are they going to engage with the fan base moving forward? Um, you know, with, you know, whether that be, you know, in some of the designs or getting input into, you know, some of the, the product lines that they're looking to uh, to work on. And and look, it was it was a really positive discussion in that respect. He was keen to understand more. Uh, he's keen to, as I say, get the insights and data that we've got and, and, and build that into the work that they're doing and, and keep that dialogue, keep that dialogue open. Um, so it was a very, very encouraging um first step and you know we're going to continue with the, that dialogue with them and and actually also with some of the other retail partners like fanatics as well to you know to address some of the concerns that we've heard yeah it's really great to hear tony that you're meeting with uh, the club and also with hummel went extremely well i'm i think it's just nice to hear from from an american evertonian's perspective that uh that the club hears us um and, and you know before we wrap it up i just want to let you know that as always we really do appreciate um, all of your effort that you put into the fans forum and in making sure that all of us get a voice as well. Um, so thank you, Tony, and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And uh, hopefully we'll get another sign in tomorrow. Eh? <laughs> We've been spoiled. It's like we're going to go 48 hours without an announcement and people are going to gonna turn turn back to <laughs> where's the new signings? Where's the new signings? Now it's going to be Tamori. Everyone's going to be clamoring about that. But yeah, I echo what Alex said, Tony. Thank you so much for everything that you do for providing us with a voice and and I think the the key thing right now is just to maintain momentum and keep pushing in the right direction. And, and things are bound to improve because the club are finally comprehensively addressing, I think, all of the issues that we've brought to them. And knowing that 
we can make an impact by voicing by by using our voice and and be heard. I think is is go only going to lead to to better things in the future. Yeah, cheers. Well, look, it's it's great, and it? yeah, I love interacting with Evertonians. You know that whether it's on your Discord or whether it's you know through the fans forum direct or through the working group that we've set up with you know with the individual um, supporters groups, and it's it's just brilliant. And um, uh, you know when you invited me onto the to the pods when I was, you know, trying to get elected, you know, I said I wanted to, you know, help with along with Joe and, and the rest of the forum and giving, you know, the international fans a voice. And and here we are six months later. We've got James Rodriguez, we've got Alan, we've got Takure, we've got an international expansion strategy for South America, North America. We're opening an office in the US. Uh it's not bad, is it, in six months? Nobody pinched me. I don't want to wake up from this dream that I'm living <laughs> right now. And and obviously and obviously I'm not pretending to take full credit for all of that. No, definitely. But but you have been a big part of, you know, pushing those issues and making making sure the club knows that, that they are at the forefront of a lot of supporters' minds, even though that may not be, you know, maybe the segment of the, the fan base that has been heard up to this point. But it seems like going forward that, again, everything's trending in the right direction. So it's it's a great feeling. It's been a great week and, and long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. There's a lot to be positive about to be, and being in Evertonian at the moment. So. Let's uh, let's try and keep the positivity yeah, if we can. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Tony. Now it is James here, joined. Per usual by Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? Thrilled to be here. Uh, happy to be part of the show. Uh, we're missing someone though. I just, I just feel like we're missing someone. I don't know who it is. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. His I, I, name is some... Aladdin. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Aladdin. Aladdin. Live action. Live action. Exactly. No, Alex unfortunately couldn't join us for this segment. Obviously, you just heard him on the Tony segment. So we recorded the segment with Tony. On Tuesday, we're recording this on Wednesday. So the timing, the logistics of compiling this episode are going to probably fry my brain. But what's not going to fry <laughs> my brain is the anticipation of watching the Toffees take the field on Sunday against Jose Mourinho's Spurs. Ryan, first match of the season. Tough test. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um That being said, they have a lot of guys on international duty. I, I You know, I think they still have some aspects of the squad that they may need to add to too so uh there's question marks on both sides so i think if there is a time to play a better team um this may be maybe the time to do it but i, I think the big question for us is you know how, how do we set up and how many of our uh new trinity do we see mm. placed in the midfield so i'm kind of curious what you think on that one james in terms of what are we going to play and who the heck's going to be in there well i know there's there's been the precedent that carlos set in our preseason matches, all two of them, uh, side note, I am a little mad that I paid that $40 international, you know, fan membership fee to Everton to be You're a member. ripped off. You're a member now. I'm You're a member. member I'm a member, but I missed one they match. Send you stuff. Was, they, they, they I'm send waiting you stuff, for right? it. I'm still waiting. Ryan. All I have <laughs> is two rather uneventful matches and uh, a handful of hopes and dreams. And that's all I got. But hopefully mm. that's in the post. And regardless, as far as the lineup, you know, Carlo has set up in the 4-3-3 for the last couple matches. 
do the new signings really change that? Is that really his long-term plan this season? It seemed like we may have been committed to like the four, four, two. Um, you may, you may differ on this, but I, I do think we may stick with the four, four, two. And I think obviously Jordan Pickford is going to start. No questions there. Seamus Coleman at right back. I, I just don't see anyway. John Joe Kenny, um, is going to be a, a regular starter this season. He may stick around, but it's going to be Coleman alongside, of course, with Mason Holgate injured is going to be Mina and Keene provided neither of them comes up injured with uh, anything before Sunday. It'll be those two at the center. And then of course our favorite French left back, Luca Dean in midfield is where things start to get really interesting because you start to question, okay, what, which of the new three guys could really immediately plug and play. And I think based on the timing of the announcement, it seems like Allen is probably the most likely. And I also think he, he probably is the one who fills the most obvious hole in the squad as far as depth. So I am anticipating seeing a midfield of Allen alongside Gomez. And that may just because I think that, that those two complement each other fairly well with obviously we we've, talked at length about about Gomez's defensive deficiencies. Allen can provide that little bit of steel, allow Gomez a little bit more freedom offensively on the ball. And maybe the two-man midfield isn't our best option, but I think those two together could work quite nicely alongside. If you look out on the left, I think it's going to be tricky. I want to say that that we'll see maybe Anthony Gordon start. Possibility, Alex Wobie. I'm going to say Alex Iwobi and then look at the right. I'm going to go with Theo Walcott as much, much maligned as he may be. Uh, what about you, Ryan? What do you make? Obviously the four at the back. I don't know if you dispute any of those, but no, midfield, I mean, what do you think? It's going to be the fourth back. We know. I, I think he's going to go four, three, three. It just seems like that's the indicator. I, I do think we'll see the four, four, two throughout the season. So like I've said a couple different times, all I know is I know what Carlo played at Real uh, with James, and I know what Carlo played at Napoli with. It's fun to say it, by the way, Napoli, Napoli, uh, Napoli. Uh, I know what he played at Napoli with with Alan, and uh, he played a little four three three two, but it was mostly that four two two two, really his own four two two, four four two. Sorry, geez, how many twos? Uh, too many. The too point many is, twos. Yeah, I think Allen's got to be in there. Who the heck yeah. else do you put in there? I still, my hopes and dreams are that Decore is in there right next to him. But I, I think it's going to be a four three three. So I've got to assume that Richie's going to be on the left side, DCL up front. Uh, I just don't know who's going to play on the right side. I don't know if he'll throw James in right away. I, I just... You only have three subs, you know, this isn't back to the old five sub routines. Right. So, um, God, does he put Gilfie in at 10? I think if he does, people's heads will fall off. Um, especially since he's been playing them deeper. I, I just don't know. I know who I would play. Obviously I would play Alex Iwobi at the 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you got to figure Hamez is going to feature at one point if he starts. I just don't know who's going to be at the right. I mean, unless you play Hamez out there at right wing in a four, three, three, which, I know he can play right side, but he normally played right side for Carlo when they played that four two two two. He didn't normally play in the four three three. He played the ten. So I get. I mean, I think it would be very interesting to see if Hamez would play out on the right and put a Wobi a ten. But um, I, I I don't know. I seriously have no idea who's going to play on the right. But either way, all I know is it's nice to have midfield options, and mm-hmm. I gotta believe at least Allen's gonna gonna feature in there. But do not be surprised. If Decore, knowing his his penchant for fitness, I mean, the guy runs as much as anyone in the league, is going to be in there. I mean, it's why'd you get him? 
You know what I mean? We got three right. matches coming up in short order. They've got to play eventually. So, uh, and I can't help but think that Spurs are going to be one of the teams we're competing for for Europe. So, um, maybe I like, I like the idea that I think Carlos is going to roll the dice. I think you're going to see Allen and I think we're going to see Decore back there. I just don't know who's going to be in front of him and who's going to be on the right, but it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah. I think four, three, three. I think though, there's a lot of question of what we're going to face. I think we're know we're going to face the four, two, three, one. Uh, I'm pretty confident of that, but I don't know, James. I mean, you know, we're going to get into it in a little more detail in terms of what we think we're going to see from the Spurs. We've got a bunch of questions queued up for those guys. Um, but you know, I think part of our lineup's gotta, gotta take into account that we're probably going to possess the ball a little bit. You know, Jose has no problem conceding possession. Right. I think it's gonna be very interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. It really is like a toss up because we know Carlo Ancelotti's open-minded when it comes to formation and like, regardless of what the formation is on paper, how it materializes tactically on the pitch could be very different and we could end up in a four, four, two, but then. Of course, we know that he's going to want Luka Dean bombing up the left-hand side. So does he put perhaps Anthony Gordon on the right, task him with a little little more defensive responsibility? Um, you know, it's, it's the fourth. Go it's, ahead. It's worth mentioning, and I hate to interrupt you there, but, you know, after watching Italy play and watching our very first match, you know, who played mm. on the right in the first match for us, it was Moise Keane. Moise and Keane. sure enough, Moise Keane came on. Granted, it was due to injury and played on the right side for Italy. Um It'd be interesting. You know, I, I don't think he would be any, I know that's not, he's, he did play there. I mean, years ago when Marco said, remember Marco said that, oh yeah, he's played out there. Not really. Uh, That drove me crazy. Now that's true. I mean, no, it's not. What are you talking about, man? Um, but you know, if Carlo gave him a run there, I don't think he's any less effective than, than Theo, but I don't know, man. I, I just, um, I could see it. That's all I'm saying. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be, what's the match? At, is it a match at 10, 10.30 Eastern time? I think it's 11.30, actually. 11.30, so I'll be up at bright and early waiting for the lineup to drop. Because really, I mean, you can make an argument. I do think, you know, I, I went with the four four two, but based on the preseason, it'd be a little surprising to see Carlo deviate with what he's, he's presumably been practicing with the club with the squad and training. But I like the four four two. I Honestly, I think the, I think the, the personnel, I think, sets up better that way because if he's going to play that kind of four two 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 james on right will be on the left uh right. dcl and richie up top and alan decore in the middle i mean i i just think that would be our best lineup but you know he's going to be variable and it's going to depend on the situation too so the question is i don't know what we'll see at spurs but whatever it is it's going to be the first true test obviously it's the first game and we're going to have a chance to possess the ball and as we said before our probably biggest issue in the past, at least with the ball, is can we keep it and just not give it away? Their counter is devastating. Right. And I do think there's something to be said for like, again, you can be flexible, but if you do put Richarlison on out wide and either the the right hand or left hand side, most likely left, we know he's such a both him and Calvert-Lewin are such prolific headers of the ball. And there's no reason Richarlison can't cut into the box. But I, I do think perhaps his heading of the ball is an asset that we need to really kind of utilize more. I know he's he's okay with the ball at his feet, but it seems like him just finding the right areas inside the inside the six or inside the eighteen where he can really his his heading skills are impressive because he's not huge. Uh, where we can best utilize that, and I think him and Calvert Lewin complement each other so nicely as strikers that he might just stick with it and not have to worry about. And then you know. Play a Theo Walcott, who for all his faults will at least track back. I guess you can say a nice thing about him. He'll work. He'll run. Yeah. 
Moise Keen, I, I don't know about his defensive work rate. He he's probably I, I do want to see him play more regularly this season, but I think if you put him and a Wobie out wide, like then you're along with the two strikers, you're really kind of asking for them to maybe get caught out going forward. It's a lot of pressure on Allen and, and Corey, but that's right. kind of how Carlo Carlo's not afraid to throw people forward a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is exciting to finally have options. I'm excited about the match. I think it's going to be really intriguing. I think Jose could be doing all sorts of stuff. and It'll be very interesting in my opinion to see to Hoiberg who we went after and didn't right. get and see how well he matches up with Allen or Decore, who I think are going to put a little pressure on him. I'm excited. Um, I, I just, you know, it's going to, I hope our fans are a little bit patient. It's going to take a little bit of time, yeah. but speaking that heading ability is going to be nice to have a couple guys that can serve him the ball now. Right. Right. And, and I think the combined work rate of Decore and Allen, should they both play is enough to make up for maybe some of the deficiencies on the, on the wings, but first match of the season i it seems like kind of a big risk to take against a squad like spurs where we have salford city just coming up just a few short days after that on wednesday that seems like the type of match that is like teed up for the new signings to make their debut obviously no disrespect to salford city but not the same level of opponent where they can sort of find their feet get to know the the team around them a little bit better and start to you know it's a gradual process it's a, it's a marathon not a sprint we're in week one you don't want to throw these guys in if they're not fully ready they've all said that they are you don't want to throw them in and get them hurt and then all of a sudden it's it's two steps forward five steps back for us i don't know i think that is a perfect time for gilfie sigurdsson to get comfortable in a center mid role <laughs> i swear man gilfie's gonna come sunday gilfie's gonna come on the graphic with the captain's oh, armbands i know it's gonna know. be a meltdown you're gonna be so mad <laughs> anyway yeah it's gonna be interesting it's hard to give too much insight in terms of what you think's gonna happen it's fun to talk about but uh yeah i'm excited man i'll be right there with you i'm sure the dialogue from announcement an hour before to kickoff is going to be really fascinating uh i'm just excited i i think this is kind of a new foundation that we've laid with these three guys you know another curveball too is what happens if tamori comes in too i think right. that's a really important loan I, I i still think there's some questions in terms of how serious is an injury to, to mason holgate but that's a big impact you know if we get someone in like that maybe that salford city match in midweek is a perfect one to bet him in um he's someone that's quick and athletic and can play in a higher line I, I, he'd be a really good acquisition for us i think even without an option to buy I, I can't imagine chelsea be that dumb to put it in there that will be another thing that's very interesting to watch uh leading up to kickoff yeah most definitely I, i'm all for tomorrow especially if if mason holgate's injury is in fact turf toe which we know I, I haven't seen actually a lot of reports of turf toe in Nothing. the soccer no. world, Strange. but in football and other sports in America, it's, it's fairly common. And you know, it's one of those injuries that like lingers and lingers. Oh, and I had something similar, like a ligament thing with my toe. And it's like, as soon as you think it's better, all it takes is one step and it's just re-aggravated. So. Yeah. Yeah. But you're a better athlete than Mason Holgate. So oh, you got over come on, much man. more quickly. I mean, I'm have you sure. seen my sprints? Have you seen my sprints? <laughs> no. And, and, well, you're missing out. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'll bet. I'm actually I'll more bet. of a distance runner myself, but, uh, you know, we're I missing don't. though, too. Getting Tamori, I just hope he comes in because that's yet another starter that we can misspell badly over and uh, over beautiful. considering his full name. And, and we already have Decore or De Dacquery or whatever. Dacquery. I saw and I see people now. 
I see people on Twitter now, and I think they're at this point doing it maybe just to oh, yeah. specifically you, um, the people who are. <laughs> I'm, like, I see a regret coming out with the spelling comment. I mean, come on, man. Oh. I mean, there Google exists. You guys can Google it. But I, I do think Tamori, like, especially if Mason Holgate is, is, there's a worry that this might be a lingering injury. We need that extra depth at, at center back because I, I just don't think Branthwaite is going to be be able to play regularly enough. And we know Lewis Gibson's looking to go out on loan. So Mina and, Mina and excuse me, Michael Keane as a partnership, I'm happy with for the most part. Um, but, but obviously moves to be made. We still have a month left. So things are going to be very interesting. I'll be, once Carlos sets the precedent for a formation, you know, you'd expect he'd probably stick with it. And so we'll, we'll probably get a little more accurate with these predictions as the weeks go by. But for Sunday, I think it's, I think it's anyone's guess, to be honest. I think the key to the game for me is uh, we need to be patient. What I mean is I don't want to be too overly aggressive and play into them. I mean, I recognize the quality that we brought in in the midfield and and I'm comfortable with the fact that in the future we will improve our ability to possess, recycle the ball and not just give the ball away. But you can't do it against these guys. Jose will just sit back and that, those teams, I mean, they've got guys that can really, I mean, you do not want to see Harry Kane out in the open field with Sun flanking him or coming in behind him. And you've got Lucas Mora. Right. He's great in space. And then you've got Steven Bergwin who can absolutely fly off the bench. I mean, I don't want to see that. So it, I think if we're patient, uh, allow ourselves to grow into the game, um, start to get used to each other and don't give up an early goal. I, I like our chances. I do too, quite frankly. I mean, I, it's hard not to feel extremely optimistic after coming off one of the best weeks as an Everton fan that I've experienced since I, since I hopped on board and you know, it's a new dawn, as I said at the, at the start, it's just very exciting to think of the possibilities. I'm sure Saturday afternoon when we're recording our post-match, we will be, uh, have a lot to be maybe disappointed about because we just set our hopes so unrealistically high. But That's for me, awesome. I mean, I, I'm looking at a, I'm hoping for a victory. I think we can get all three points and it would be a perfect way to start the campaign. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I mean, I think realistically, though, we're probably looking at a one, one draw. Uh, and that's not the worst result against a team that we're going to be competing with. And we've had some turnover as well as some injuries already. So, um, it's going to take a little time for, I mean, you buy a whole new midfield, right? It's going to take time. And, 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 and we have I, a fairly settled squad. Yeah, they do or can. You know, Hoiberg's yeah. had the benefit of actually being in there quite a bit um, already. And yeah, they have some settled pieces, certainly settled in attack. And they've played already kind of Jose's uh, preferred formation. So if we come out and play 4-3-3, we really didn't play that that much. So uh, we'll see how it goes. So I, I, I'd be fine with the 1-1 draw, but we'll see how it goes. Again, key, as long as we're patient, grow into the game, don't give up that early goal. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Totally agree. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this segment. Stay tuned as we talk with the guys from Tottenham Podspur about their perspective on Sunday's match. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Ryan and I here joined by our very special guests. We've got Matt and Jordan from the Tottenham pod spur show, Matt and Jordan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, James. Thanks for having us. Obviously previewing the match on Sunday. We've got a few questions for these guys looking forward to getting their perspective, of course, as Spurs fans, as we head into the 2020, 2021 campaign, that is a weird year thing. 
2021. That's a lot of twenties. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's just get right into it guys. So, so from your perspective, do you expect Jose to come out in the four, two, three, one formation that he's so well known for and that he featured so heavily last season, or do you think that he, he might switch it up, try something else against Carlo Ancelotti? I do think we're going to see the the four two three one, and you know I think we're going to see that that kind of seesaw unbalanced back four that we've really seen and gotten to love and hate with Serge Aurier. But I, if it's going to be Matt Doherty or Serge, who knows? Um, and having that that lopsided back four where the the right back is bombing up and Ben Davis is sitting back at left back, um, and I think the two midfield that we're going to see, we're going to see Pierre Emil Hoybier, our new signing, and he's going to be partnered up with Harry Winks. Uh, anyone who listens to our show know, knows I love Harry Winks. And it was actually very interesting in the preseason. We actually saw Winks play a little bit further back than Hoybier. And, you know, we kind of thought Hoybier was going to come in and be that ball winner. And, you know, he was. And he played every friendly like it was the North London Derby. And it was just incredible to watch his intensity, his leadership on the pitch, and what he really brings to the squad that we've been lacking and seeing a, a Winks and Suzoko pairing that is just two players doing the exact same thing. Uh, not much defending. So I do think we see them in the pivot. And then I do think uh, we see our attacking three of Sun, Delhi, and uh, we're going to see Lucas start as Jose's really um, kind of brought a big liking to Lucas. And then obviously our main man, Harry Kane up top. So yeah, to answer that four, two, three, one to start it off. And I think that's going to be our, our trend uh, definitely for this season. So that leads me right into basically question two. Um, I know you already joked earlier in the first segment about the tremendous amount of Spurs player movement that never seems to happen, apparently, Uh, which may still happen. We still got time left. But right now, I mean, really, the only ins are Hoiberg and and Doherty. Uh, No offense to Joe Hart. I'm sure he would just be giving you a heart attack if he was in there. But um, it sounds like you think both those guys are going to start or not. I mean, REA, do we think he's going to start it right back? What impact do you think those guys are going to have on the team? And is Hoiberg kind of the right guy? I mean, it seems like Jose's been looking for the right pairing there. If they're going to play that 4-2-3-1, is he it? Yeah, um, for Hoiberg, I think um, that's the, the the top signing for Jose. I mean, just given if you looked at us in recent seasons past, um, we just lacked a, a true central defensive midfielder. I mean, we had it with uh, Musa Dembele, God God knows I love him. I mean, the high dribble rate, I mean, transition play, his physicality. I mean, when he left, I mean, we literally had no defensive midfielder. I mean, we had Eric Dyer, but his form wasn't really, wasn't really consistent. So we really didn't have a true center defensive midfield. I mean, you had guys like uh, Sissoko, you had Winks. I mean, we got guys like uh, Ndombele, Giovanni Lachoso, but, um, with this Hoyberg signing, it definitely um, it definitely plugs in a defensive midfield gap that was um, that was open for quite a long time. And uh, Hoyberg, his ability to foresee where to disrupt the opposition plays and his physicality also is a plus as well. I mean, another plus for um, Hoyberg is his leadership uh, mentality. I mean, he was captain for Southampton. Yep. Um, his Basically, um, a quote, I know when he first signed it, he literally mentioned, talked about there, there needs to be 11 uh, leaders on the pitch. And I think that's pretty important just given, I think uh, mentality for Spurs has been something that's been lacking for quite some time, just given um, a, just a failed accountability in positions. Um, so with this this signing for Hoyberg, it's definitely a significant signing. Um, 
he definitely will be a leader on the pitch. He'll definitely bring accountability. Not only his skills, of course, but um, he definitely um, will. He definitely a Jose type guy in terms of a Darty. Um, honestly, definitely we definitely needed a right back since um, all we had basically for most of the season was um, Serge Aurier. Given um, Kyle Walker Peters really wasn't been playing, he he did yeah. play his first few first few games when Poch was um, here, but then Poch got sacked and then Mourinho came in and Aurier came in. But Aurier, he was. He does like Winks. He does divide opinion as well, for sure. I think Matt will agree with that. But um, I think um, Darty he's definitely Premier League proven player. I mean, honestly, I mean him versus the other guys that we were linked to, such as Timothy Castano from Atlanta, who just signed for Leicester, yeah. and then Salik from uh, Lille. The guys that we yeah. actually never seen before. I mean, I mean, we've seen Wolves a lot. I mean, I mean Darty like his. His right wing back, he can obviously play forward. I mean, he's pretty exceptional going forward. I mean, I think I saw a stat as well that um, he had most touches since the 2018-2019 season. He has most touches in the opposition box. So I think um, he definitely will be uh, – he will definitely assist with the um, attack play as well as um, play defensive need to be. Um, as regards to Joe Hart, I mean, this one, uh, pretty interesting one. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you had to be a little surprised. Like, wow, really? I mean, I guess he's on free, but I mean, strictly for the homegrown quota. That's all that. I was. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I mean, basically, what Matt said with the homegrown quota. But um, honestly, it's not a exciting signing, but it's a basically a logical one. I mean, like we said, it's a homegrown quota, as well as the fact that I mean, even though Joe Hart has not had the best seasons, I mean, since Pep came into City, the man literally demoted him, sent him to Torino. Sent him to West Ham and then to Burnley, and then Burnley like literally releases him before the season ends. But mm-hmm. um, what I like about him is uh, his attitude. He always a positive character. I mean, even even though um, the bad seasons, he's always been able to believe in himself and to bring a proper attitude. I mean, and also, I mean, he's a winner. I mean, won trophies with City. I mean, he's former England number one. I mean, um. Like I said, not exciting, but it makes sense. I mean, he's definitely – I look. I definitely expect him to, to be a leader, I mean, amongst the guys. And also, he definitely um, brings competition, I mean, with the likes of Hugo Lloris and Paulo Gazzaniga. I mean, of course, he's not – he's probably not going to end up being number one for us between between the posts of the season, but I think he'll give Gazzaniga a pretty hard time uh, ch- competing for that number two – for that goalkeeper number two spot – so I think um, so. I think these three signings so far um, definitely um, are beneficial to the qu- to the squad. In terms of Darty being ahead of Aurier, I I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it. I mean, given the fact that we were trying to get rid of Sergio Aurier during the whole summer, um, I know um, AC Milan was interested, and then that deal really never. I think that deal is probably probably finished. Given um, I think Levy wants twenty five million for him, and I. Saw Bayer Leverkusen's interested in him as well. We'll see how that goes. But I, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Darcy starts right in front of Ori um, this coming kind of Sunday. Hoiberg coming in, what's the impact on Ndombele? I think that's the one where the casual observer looks and says, that guy is so talented. You know, I mean, he obviously can pass like crazy. He's not quite a defensive mid, but he's a guy that we saw boss a game in France. He just looked like one of the next great ones. It doesn't sound like he's all in. I will say this, like as good as he looked on the pitch, there were times I had to admit 
and it's hard to gauge like character on the pitch. There were times where he would get pretty frustrated and kind of flip out on his teammates. Almost seemed a little strange. So just kind of curious what your take is on his future. And, and I mean, he was a big outlay, you know what I mean? I mean, what's the game plan with him going forward? Yeah, um, definitely. I think with the addition of Hoyberry definitely will free up these uh, midfielders like uh, Winks, like uh, Ndombele and like Giovanni Lucelso. But um, going back to your question on Ndombele, I think, um, I mean, yes, he's uh, Tottenham's record signing at 65 million euros. Um, I mean, I mean, seeing you would expect that he would um, definitely uh, be he boss a midfield like he did again in Lyon, the, especially that game against City in the Champions League where he probably got his most um, that probably that's his highlight um, of of why the clubs were looking at him, us City, et cetera. But um, it just um, I think he does have talent. It's it's no question he has talent, but. I think the thing with him and um, with Jose is just his his work ethic has been pretty questionable. Um, I know Jose during the quarantine period, he, Jose did have some special sessions sessions with him to get him up to fitness. I mean, honestly, I think it's just his mentality, his, his work ethic, and his fitness. Really, I mean, make no like we said, make no mistake. He's he definitely has the potential to be one of Europe's most talented. Um, center mids and like and like you said he's definitely not a center defensive midfielder he's he's more forward and more more creativity but i think he does have a future and i sincerely hope that um jose doesn't give up on him um uh too fast because i mean he's another one that divides opinion just i mean he definitely divides opinion at the club but um i think um i think he has a future i just think he needs to work he, he has to put the work in he has to be fit. He has to has to show Jose that he's worth every every euro and every pound sterling that Daniel Levy paid for him for. Simple as that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the midfield takes shape. What I'm interested to to hear what you guys your perspective on on the attack as you go into the season. Obviously, you've got Harry Kane. Everyone knows about Harry Kane. How does Jose utilize the other guys, the peripheral guys, or the other starters? Son, Mora, Chelsea, Deli Ali, Steven Bergwijn. Um, who's the who's the top three if you're gonna play, you know, the the who's the outside mids? How does he how did the how do you fit all of those useful attacking players into the team in, in a coherent way? Yeah, so that that's definitely the the million dollar question, and that has a lot to do with Delhi and how high Jose rates Delhi Ali because he the four two three one is what we need to play in order to get him in and Giovanni Lo Celso was kind of our rock after the restart, but we haven't seen him at all this preseason. And that that's a major concern. I do think that when he does return, he'll replace Winks in the starting lineup and, and play in that, that back midfield to play a little deeper with Hoybier. But I do think that our starting uh, attacking three is, you know, obviously Kane up top and then Delhi flanked by Sun and Lucas. And, you know, we've always cried for, for squad depth at, at Spurs and we really don't have it. But the one position that we did really get it in was at that right attacking midfield with bringing in Steven Bergvine and yep. Lucas Mora has always been a, you know, run around in space and defensively, like you guys mentioned earlier, run around with your, like a chicken with his head cut off, um, you know, not tracking back, not being that true uh, prototypical <laughs> winger, but S- Steven Bergvine came in his first two or three appearances and 
put in shifts and he was up and down and the, the flank and, you know, helping out on defense, covering Serge Aurier's ass. Uh, sorry. I don't know if you can swear on your pod. We, we got the on ours. Um, it happens sometimes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but um, that, that competition between Bergvine and Mora has really brought out the best in Mora. And yeah, I think he's a big, big part of what we're going to see with Jose and, as we're speaking right now, Spurs Twitter is ablaze with uh, the fact that we need a backup striker. And, you know, if you guys caught any of the, the, the Spurs uh, documentary on Amazon, you saw how dire things were. Um, no pun on Eric Dyer there, but just we were in a really bad situation as far as attacking players with all the injuries. And, you know, it, I do think we're going to get one in. I don't know who it's going to be. I, I've actually been on record on our, our pod saying, I think we're going to get a character like Diego Acosta to just come in and, you know, be a, a rough and tumble target man just to, to kind of fill the gap for Troy Parrott, who we, we loaned out to Millwall. But I do think Bergvine will play a lot just due to fixture congestion. But um, I do think it's Lucas Morris starting spot, spot now. So that's interesting. That's kind of leads into our last question. I mean, do we see any gaps with, with the Spurs team it, going into the game against Everton? You know, I, I, it sounds like, settled at left back. I thought maybe Davies, I don't know if he was the right guy. I'm curious who you think are, are going to kind of end up being that center back pairing. And I mean, there's some fitness issues, maybe people coming off international break, but it sounds like, Hey, you know, who's, if Kane's not up there up top, sounds like that's the big concern. Anything else that you guys see is maybe a gap in the squad now. And, and maybe you're looking forward. I mean, cause I, I, I think it's safe to say that Everton and Spurs are going to be competing a little bit for places. So, um, what do you guys see in terms of the game going to Everton and then maybe going forward where, where the squad needs a little bit? Before, before Jordan tackles this one, I just want to say how disappointed I am that we're not going to see Giovanni Lo Celso and uh, Dinia kind of flick and touch and poke each other uh, during the match. So I'm we're very son and Andre Combs kicking each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> I blame Aria for that more, by the way, than son. That, definitely. It was a hundred percent on Aria. Yeah. But go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. So um, I think, um, I mean, I, th- I think Davies, um, Tom, I mean, not Tom, but uh, Ben Davies definitely has a left back position. Um, solidified. I mean, just given that, um, just given um, Jose um, is disinterested with Danny Rose. I mean, just given, um, just given all what happened on the documentary. Oh, yeah. uh, that's crazy. What do you got to make of that? That's that's well, not I mean, the right pretty, answer, right? I, I hate to I hate to call out anyone who has the name, but Danny Rose went full Karen on that one. Yeah, <laughs> my mom's name. My mom's name is Karen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you laugh. I, we told her this when we were on vacation with her a couple weeks ago. She had no idea. No oh, idea. And she oh, wow. No idea. She's like, "What, Karen? Why, Karen? Why well, don't understand?" Blah, blah, blah. It's perfect. It was perfect. So, it was so beautiful. Oh, that was great. Love it. But um, yeah, but Danny Rose. I mean, that that was just pretty. Just pretty immature. It shows immaturity. A lot of pretty, some pretty damn high volume of arrogance there, but I mean, I think he's done uh, with Newcastle. Obviously doesn't want him. Then he's obviously finished with us, but I think on that left back position, um, we'll definitely see Davies and then maybe uh Sessignon, even though he's uh, not a left back, he's more of a left wing back. And then um, we had Dennis Serkin in from uh, the Academy playing, um, playing a few minutes in um, the preseason. I think um, that would, that'll probably um, even, we probably will need another, left back depending on what Mourinho wants but um if given that we've been um linked with some left backs right now but I think um I think that would be a slight concern but I think another concern might maybe it's the coming Sunday's probably the center back pairing against um Everton's um, attack could be Toby Alvarado or um, Davison Sanchez or Jose might put a trick up the sleeve and throw in Jaffa Taganga and um 
and maybe um, we'll see. But um, I think um, they'll be tested against Everton's attack, especially if Calvin Lewin and Eric Charleston start out the two at top, and then especially depending on what Ancelotti does with Jaimez, whether he puts him on the wing or puts him in a 10, just depends on the position um, and the formation uh, Ancelotti runs come Sunday. I think um, Everton attack versus our defense will be some pretty pretty interesting to see. And I think um, another key, I wouldn't say concern, but a thing to watch for is just the, simply the battle of the midfields. I mean, us, um, Hoiberg versus uh, Hoiberg and Winks. We got uh, Delhi uh, versus... Everton's um, stacked midfield, depending if they start Sunday with uh, Alan DeCore, Jaimez. I mean, Alan will play for sure. I think if there's the one guy, I think we're pretty sure Alan would be in there if anyone, um, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see DeCore in there too. Maybe Jaimez yeah. off the bench. Yeah, I think. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, well, I was telling Matt earlier that um, out of those three new signings, um, I think DeCore has the better chance of starting, just given that he play, he's played in the league. But so- at the same time, that guy can run forever, you know. He seems like that one of those guys can kind of just jump in the squad and be like, "Yep, yeah, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, for sure. But I mean, but I mean, I mean, you just never know with Everton. Um, those Jaimez and Allen could start, but I mean, no, I think you um, never know with Everton. That's right, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> never. never with know, the midfields, man. but I mean, I think the battle of the midfields. I think um, that I honestly think that will be key to see who wins and who who takes the three points and who. Um, take zero points or whether it be a draw. So I think um, those three concerns of left back uh, defense versus Everton's attack and then midfield battle. I think that's um, some key concerns coming into, um, into the game. And then like Matt said, I mean, not even, even though not for Everton, but for a long term of the backup strikers pretty huge, just given these recent years, um, we've been pretty reliant on Harry Kane a lot. I mean, even in recent years, he's picked up injury after injury and, I mean, we do have Sonny, but we just need that backup, just given the fact that he went down after the Aston Villa game. We scored the winner despite playing with a broken arm, and then after that, we literally had no attack for, for I guess, about, for about I guess, two months until the, um, until the pandemic paused everything. And then, luckily, Project Restart was a pretty good opportunity to – for the guys to get healthy and to go back running again. So that striker position, even though we have less than a month left, left, we definitely, that definitely is probably the highest concern um, of the team going forward. All right. Well, thank you to Matt and Jordan. Really appreciate your time giving us the lowdown. And before we go, we need a score prediction. So I'll throw it to Matt first. What do you guys anticipate for, uh, for Sunday's result? Well, well, Ryan actually wanted to say mine on, on air on our show, and he kind of whisked out on it. So it's going to be 2-1 Spurs. Uh, I think Lucas and Sonny get it, and I think Richarlison bag one, bags one for you guys. But I think we, uh, we, we walk away with a 2-1. to one. Yeah, for me, I'd say 1-0. Um, I'd say, one zero. I'd say um, the goal comes from him and Son. Um, I think, um, think, the def- think our back four will do um, well um, getting a clean sheet. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. However, it'll be a one, one draw. I mean, um, just, um, just given um, Everton's always a tough opponent. I mean, Everton's always a respectable, difficult opponent. I mean, uh, hopefully the home advantage playing at um, playing home would help because um, definitely playing at Goodison park. It's definitely difficult, but um, since the game is home, I definitely think we'll, we'll start the season off right with three points, one, zero Spurs. All right, guys. Well, definitely check out their show, Tottenham Podspur. Thank you. Big thanks to Matt and Jordan for joining us. Hopefully you guys found that helpful. Let us know. And we'll see you guys post-match 
uh, on Sunday, hopefully a good result to report. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.